This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. TV Wrestling Network loyalists and fans, welcome to this month's installment of your monthly visit through an alternate universe, a place where things aren't as they seem in the primary universe. Champions aren't champions, guys don't have beards, heels with chest hair. And all sorts of interesting conundrums, enigmas, and puzzles. Welcome to this month's episode of Place to Be Nations Through the Looking Glass. I am your co-host, Scott Criscola. Uh It is August, which means it is uh, warm here and cold somewhere else. But not the cold that I had to deal with during my winter here on this side of the world. Let me bring in my cohort. He is the Thunder from Down Under. Dave Hall. Good evening, Dave. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> evening <laughs> over there, morning over here. Uh, summer over there, and we're coming out of the back end of winter over here. Actually, it's quite a quite a nice day down here in down where I live here in Australia. It's a uh, it's a beautiful. It's about twenty degrees Celsius, so it's uh, I I can never get the conversion rates right. But the sun is out. The uh, it's it's beautiful weather, and um, it feels like we're starting to build into that that spring weather. So it's 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 getting quite nice down here. Well, let's see. So thirty two Fahrenheit is zero Celsius. So. Does that mean it's probably in the low 50s, maybe, for us well, Fahrenheiters? That's that's probably about right, and that's that that's a, that's a nice nice winter's day where I live. Yes, <laughs> I wish the middle of winter was 50 something here. It's more like 20 something here, but uh, which made me laugh because back when we were doing our January February episodes, uh, when it was 22 here and it was 99 where you were. Uh, <laughs> I was like, well, now I have 99 and you only had like the 50s. Yes. I wish I could get the 50s in January here. But anyway, David, it is an honor always to have uh, to be with you on our monthly jaunts. Uh, we've gotten great support from everyone. Thank you for your continued support. The downloads and the listens and the comments have been uh, very inspiring. And we thank you for that. We have had a great uh, first several episodes. Uh, I won't go through all the topics. It's, we're past that now. But if you want to check out everything... One thing about our show, it is not uh, chronological. It's not episodic in that sense. You can listen to any episode anytime. So feel free to, if this is your first time listening, welcome. It's an honor to have you. You can keep listening to this episode and then go back to the archives at placetobe.podbean.com and go back and listen to the previous ones, which were all fairly great. Just like this one tonight is fairly great. Um, so it is August that means there's no pay-per-view this month so we have no show bye no. Uh, because 2022 of course was a very weird uh, month um, and uh, 2022 very weird year SummerSlam took place of course uh, like, what two weeks ago at uh, uh, down at Nissan Stadium in Nashville 
Uh, some of the PTB uh, contingent was there. Uh, so for the first time in WWE history, SummerSlam was not in August. It was in July. I was talking to my PIC. I was actually visiting him this weekend. Uh, my PIC, Mr. Rosero, and him and I were thinking that uh, this is probably a one-year anomaly. We think that next year uh, SummerSlam will go back to August. Um, I think they just had wanted to, you know, test the waters of a football stadium because here in the uh, U.S., Dave, of course, August is preseason football. So I'm sure if SummerSlam is not going to be in stadiums, I'm sure NFL teams are going to be a little leery of wanting the WWE to come in and chew up their field with equipment and rings and stuff yeah. uh, before the season starts. So maybe that's why. But uh, I'm not saying that's definite. That's just a, that's totally just a theory. Mm. But uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's a reasonable theory at that too. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, you know, you've got the the preseason. They're 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 into full training mode. They're 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 getting their preseason games. They're not going to want any damage to to a ground. I've I've actually seen what can happen on grounds when they put big events in too close to sporting events, and uh, grounds can be really significantly impacted to the point that you can't even play the games for for weeks on end. So it would make sense. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if uh, if uh, the league, um, you know, if the NFL or if teams pick a week that they're not home and it's, you know, it's a turf stadium kind of like Vegas was last year, uh, you know, they can get away with it. But, you know, Nashville is an outdoor stadium where the Titans play. It is grass, so, but they have some time probably to fix it up uh, before the Titans, I don't know whenever the Titans' first preseason game was, if it already happened or not, but in any event. I believe that SummerSlam will go back to being in uh, August uh, next year. Having said that, we, of course, uh, we're talking a lot about SummerSlam right now because this month's episode, uh, we did, of course, uh, do a Royal Rumble episode in January. We did a, uh, of course, we did a WrestleMania episode back in March. So, of course, this month we need to do a SummerSlam episode. Dave, give us a little... Uh, little background on uh, what we're diving into this evening. Oh, I think I think you've summed it up really well. We're we're gonna we're gonna like like we did with the Rumble and WrestleMania, where we just looked at a few different uh, different ideas from different events. We're gonna we're gonna have a jump through some uh, some different ideas for some different SummerSlams. Maybe a, a couple of main events, a couple of overall card looks, but we're just looking at some. Uh, some events over the years that perhaps maybe didn't live up to standard or maybe there was just something that didn't make sense about uh, the booking decisions. And uh, we're going we're gonna to consider what might have been different. How could it have been done differently as, as we like to do here on Through the Looking Glass? We look through that, through that glass and we, and we just see could events have been different and what impact might that have had? So I think, I think we're in for a little fun ride tonight looking at – Looking at some some nostalgia, remembering uh, a bit of SummerSlam history, as as you said, uh, SummerSlam has already taken place this year. You know, um, obviously this would have been done before Vince retired, but the, but in their infinite wisdom, they they thought that they would uh, they heard that we were going to be doing these this this event, this episode, this podcast episode, and they thought, nah, we're gonna we're gonna mess around with them, we're gonna we're gonna run early ah. just to 
just to uh, cause some trouble, you know. You know what the <laughs> WWE is like. They don't like anyone treading on their on their soil. But uh, no, we're gonna have. I think we're gonna have a good time in this episode. It, it's gonna be fun. Just uh, yeah, looking at a, a few different SummerSlam scenarios. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. But I mean, I remember. I mean, SummerSlam is one of those ones. I I was well into my my wrestling fandom when SummerSlam first came out. It's, it's actually one of the, I, I actually remember really clearly the build to that first SummerSlam back in 88. So it's been a part of my, my life. You know, my wrestling fandom has always that SummerSlam in August is always a big thing. And, and I'm sure you, you, you've, you've grown through it too. You, you, you've been, you've got that similar time frame as me, Scott, that you've, grown up with it lived with it it's 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 a part of the wrestling dna in, in essence but i was just wondering scott like when we think SummerSlam, i don't want to spend too long on, on this but when you think SummerSlam, what are some of the maybe what are some of the mem- things that really stand out to your memory what are some of your favorite memories over the years of of, of SummerSlam? well dave uh uh, my crew of friends when I was a kid, we all we were all obviously diehard old school Federation wrestling fans, like of course yourself, and uh, we all were in charge of a pay per view. Each of us kicked in. Each of us were in charge of hosting a show, so we all got you know we all hosted and you know we all got pizza and stuff. So I was the SummerSlam guy. Um, so in the early years on Monday night, uh, I would. Uh, I would have my guys over and we would watch, uh, we would watch SummerSlam. And then I go to my other buddy. The only way we didn't do a survivor series. Cause of course that was Thanksgiving. We were all with our families. Uh, but I had one buddy that hosted the rumble and I had, we had another guy that hosted, uh, uh, that hosted WrestleMania. I hosted SummerSlam. So SummerSlam was always a soft spot for me. Um, and I remember the build to SummerSlam 88 very, very well. Uh, you know, the mega bucks, mega powers and Jesse and the ref and uh, honky honky uh, uh, rightfully looking up at the lights to the <laughs> ultimate warrior. And then and then, uh, you know, honky spending the next two years jobbing to everybody from the janitor to the catering crew um, paying back for the uh, the. Now, uh, I, I don't remember Dusty ever being a janitor. He was a plumber. He was. Don't know that he was ever the janitor. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so. But the one that I will always remember as probably and it still is to this day, uh, probably my favorite SummerSlam of all time is SummerSlam 89. Uh, I've mentioned that on this. I believe, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned that on this show and I've definitely mentioned it on other shows that I've done. Um, I love that show that that that's a card. That I could watch, and that will not be one we go through the looking glass on because that show is impeccable. So we will not be tam- we will not be tampering right. with uh, with SummerSlam '89 tonight because that show was perfect. Um, uh, that show was just awesome uh, because I was all in on the Warrior Rude feud in '89. Of course, Hogan Zeus loved that, and all the other great that six man tag. What was it? Uh, the Rougeos and Martel against the Rockers and Tito. I mean, that matches. That matches awesome. Um, uh, and then you get the back show, which everyone says is like the crap end. They put all the, the workers on the front end and they put all the like hosses on the back end. That doesn't necessarily mm. mean the matches were worse. They were just different. Oh, that was different. You had, yeah. You had the Hoss guys on the back end, you know, Dem- demolition. 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big demolition mark. Everyone knows right. that, but, yes. but, yep. and I, I'm not a big fan. Of, I'm like you, I do cannot stand Duggan, but that, that six man with demolition and Duggan versus the towers and Andre, it just astonishes me that, you know, no one plays up the fact that smash slams Akeem and the boss man in, right. in this one. And it's, it's just, it's an awesome moment that really never got played up so much because Prior to that, the only people who really slammed either of those guys were Hogan. Right. Um, so it just always astonished me how how strong Smash actually was. I agree. Crazy, right? Um, yeah, I, I was. I agree with you. Uh, so and and then the main event's great with the loaded purse, and I I just love that show. Um, I've got I've uh, got to agree with you on that one. I mean, SummerSlam '89 is is probably my favorite one all time. I mean, one of my favorite ever matches, uh, I, I don't rank it as the greatest match I've ever seen, but one of my favorite matches is the Heart Foundation Brain Busters match that kicks that yes. car off. It is, oh, my God. It is sensational. And Absolutely. I, I, I can watch that over and over. I've seen yes. it so many times. Uh, it is you know, two of my favorite tag teams. You know, if, I, if I had a top five favorite tag teams, Hearts and the brain busters would be in that top five yep. and never move. Yep. Um, so the, it's always had a good spot. I've always enjoyed that match. So that, that to me is just when I think SummerSlam memories or SummerSlam matches, I think of that one. And then obviously the, the warrior rude uh, match is sensational as well. Um, later in the card. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And Piper coming out. The commentary of uh, Tony and Jesse is just absolutely, <laughs> absolutely tremendous. You could shoot somebody and not get disqualified. You're dumber <laughs> than Monsoon. <laughs> oh, God. So great. SummerSlam 90, uh, I always loved. Uh, not as much as I love 89, but 90 is still a good show. Uh, some other ones from the 90s we will discuss uh, this evening, so I won't get into those. But uh, another one that's that's probably number two on my list Um is it's a tie between two show two two summer slams that I probably should have gone to and didn't go to either because they were so close to me and I'm I, it's, I still kick myself to this day and that is SummerSlam '98 and mm. SummerSlam 2002. Uh, SummerSlam '98 to me was the show that won the Monday Night War because you had about what two months before was the big Nitro in in uh, and we talked about it on our Goldberg episode. The big Nitro in in uh, Atlanta, Goldberg beats Hogan, wins the world title, and WCW had that last little kick in the gut for the next few weeks. But then I think SummerSlam '98 uh, sealed the deal. Mm. I love that show. Uh, Triple it's H Rock in the ladder match, of course. Uh, Taker and Steve. Um, well, I feel I feel that that Hunter Rock ladder match is so underrated when people talk about. Yep. I agree. People talk about, you know, greatest ladder matches of all time. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's not on par with your TLC matches and your edges and your Christians and your, your Hardys. I mean, it's not on that par because it's a different type of match, but it is, it is a really well worked, uh, very tight and tells a great story. It is. A, I just think it's criminally underrated because it's never talked about as one of the those top ladder matches. I'm not sure it's even on any of, I don't know if it's in on any of those DVDs, either of the ladder match DVDs. I can't remember. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, Mr. Hall, I do not know either. It should be, uh, it's on 
It's on the uh, SummerSlam. It's on a couple of comps. Uh, I think it's on the MSG comp. Uh, yeah. But uh, and then O2, which was mm. down at Nassau Coliseum, which was just that was just I should be I should have my wrestling card uh, revoked for not. I had the money. It was 45 minutes away. Uh, no excuse that I didn't go to Nassau to see. I mean, why do I not spend yeah. the money to see Sean come back and face Triple H in a street fight? Like, am I on drugs? Like, what the hell was my problem? I mean, that was just stupid. But anyway, that card is just awesome. Uh, another card we will not be touching tonight because there's no need to. Um, you know, again, that, Triple that H- was that was a card that that was a card that I you know coming out. I think coming out of the Attitude Era and the early onset of the um, of the brand extension, I think there are a lot of fans who are really. It, it was one of the first times I started to struggle. Look, do I really, you know, what had been happening on Raw? You, you sit there and go, gee, it's just not quite what it was in the Attitude Era. Things felt a little bit of a downturn, but I think the match quality on that show was one of those ones that really sort of, it 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 it, it opened my eyes. It sort of reminded me, this is what a wrestling event should be. We've we, we gotten so accustomed to these awesome storyline builds and whether or not the match hit the great in-ring heights never really mattered because the crowd and the build, you, you, you were getting that storyline drive. But I really feel SummerSlam 02 really brought back the in-ring um, emphasis at the end of the story. Right, exactly. And just amazing top-to-bottom uh, matches where you had Flair Jericho and you had uh, uh, RVD Benoit and you had Kurt Ray, Kurt Ray, and you had uh, uh, Test and Taker, which is even pretty good. Uh, just a great, just an amazing mm-hmm. card, top to bottom. Um, so yeah, those those are my Slumber Slam memories, particularly those ones from the late '80s and early '90s, because uh, I was I was in charge of of SummerSlam in my circle of, of uh, wrestling friends. And then I had two other friends and they were in charge of the Royal Rumble and, and, uh, and mania. Um, so I've always had a saw. It's probably my favorite song. It's probably my favorite, um, pay-per-view brand mm. of WWE is probably SummerSlam strictly for that reason, because I was, you know, it was the first pay-per-view I ever bought with my own money that I hosted. So I always had a soft spot for that. So, what about you, Dave? What other? I know you love. I know you're like me, the Federation ones. What ones kind of kind of stick out for you? Oh, I think like like we've said, I think the three you've mentioned um, really stick out as as overall cards. '89 um, is like I, I just I hopped on that before. It, it's probably my favorite one all time. '02, I can always sit down and just and just enjoy. I think the the, the big thing I think in, in more recent years, uh, one of the things that sort of stuck out to me is. For a few years there, SummerSlam seemed to be the night that Brock decided to turn up and and put on a good match against a guy that you wouldn't you wouldn't maybe expect him to. Brock Punk, uh, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, John Cena, Punk, John Cena, um, Daniel Bryan. Like you just had these 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 little gluttony of years where you had uh, whether it was Punk. Um, AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan put on put in a, in a memorable main event with either Brock Lesnar or John Cena, and those main events just absolutely scorched and 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 were real memorable matches. I think you just had that little period of about five or six years where every year it just seemed to be the main event of SummerSlam was always going to deliver. 
Um, and Brock, Brock always seems to turn up at SummerSlam. Maybe, maybe he just likes it a little bit warmer. Um, always seems to turn up and, and put on something good there. Yeah, he does. Uh, and, you know, he's done it many times on that stage. I, I watched uh, back-to-back years in, I guess it would be, what, 2015 and 2016? Uh, was it back? Yeah, 2015 and 2016, or was it 16 and 17? Now that I can't think about it. I think it was 15 and 16. Uh, he wrestled, what, uh, Taker and Orton in back-to-back, mm-hmm. back-to-back years. Um, yeah, I think Brock, Brock, that's a big, that's a big brand for Brock. He's had some historically good matches. Uh, Brock is not a main topic tonight. I don't think. No, uh, no. but, uh, we do have some other ones. So what we're going to do this evening is we're not going to go through everyone because again, some of them are immaculate, but, uh, we picked out, um, six years, uh, six years, uh, where, we could go through the 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 hole, the rabbit hole, and do a little tweaking and fix what ended up being, in some cases, not a terrible card, but maybe with a little alternative waggling, uh, we could come up with an even better card, uh, or a show that's absolutely dreadful that we can that totally needs fixing, <laughs> uh, which we have a couple of cases of that. So. Uh, we will try and be as expeditious, but informative. We will not. Uh, we will try not to go too long, but we will definitely be informative, and and we definitely would love your opinion. So please uh, hit us up on Twitter at PTBN Wrestling after you listen to the episode and tell us what you think of our opinions uh, on which years of SummerSlam need fixing, and some ideas of other years maybe that we didn't hit on that you think uh, um could also use some tweaking. Maybe this year's card in nashville or last year's card that i got to see live in uh in vegas maybe that needed tweaking who knows uh but we'll see so at ptbn wrestling or you can go to our place to be facebook group page comment on there as well uh dave's usually uh hovering around there ready to answer your questions uh and give us your uh uh, and uh give you our uh our thoughts on your thoughts so uh dave let's uh I got to maybe I got to find the Doctor Who as we're going through the hole, as we're going through the vortex. Give us our first our first case study this evening. All right. Well, we're going to jump. We're going to kick off this this little this little journey by jumping all the way back to SummerSlam '91, and 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 really i think the standout in summerslam 91 is the match made in hell now if you are like me and you've listened to every episode of the place to be podcast with scott and his pic justin rosero you will know and you will have heard them talk about uh the main event of that card before and the the idea that by the time summerslam 91 hit Hogan and Slaughter was done and dusted. They really were dragging out a a, 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 a storyline that that had been completed. Um, and throwing on top of that, the General Adnan and and the Iron Sheik who could barely move that night. Yeah. Um, it really it really did not make for a, a good main event. It was always predictable. It was you. No one expected 
the the trio of terror to stand any chance against Hogan and Warrior, the, the top two guys in the company. So, you know, we, we go back and we look at, well, what, what could have been different there? And I think the storylines were all in place. I think everything was in place and all it would have taken was a little bit of a hold off on the announcement of of the main event for that card. Because I think you guys have touched on this before, but I, I'd like us to explore the idea of should the match made in hell have been Hogan Warrior against Jake the Snake Roberts and The Undertaker? Mm-hmm. Because when we, when we look at the build around that, The Undertaker and Warrior had already entered the early stages of a feud. And, and of course, it's the classic heel turn of Jake the Snake. Warrior, he, he, he comes alongside Warrior to help him uh, overcome the darkness to help him conquer the darkness and he puts mm-hmm. him in all the various scenarios over the over the the weeks of of superstars of wrestling and culminating in the the famous one where he's in the room locks him in the room with the snakes and and allegedly or in theory uh warrior is bitten by the cobra uh the worst looking cobra in the history oh of yeah that. but oh, yeah. totally <laughs> but, totally but but getting outside of that, we're, we're talking about the the build. Warriors' build in the lead-up to SummerSlam had been completely focused around The Undertaker and Jake the Snake Roberts. And and Jake and Undertaker did not even get booked on that card. And where things go afterwards, or where things are clearly planned to go afterwards, was that Taker and Jake are going to be linked into storylines with Hogan and Warrior. I mean, Hogan ends up meeting Undertaker at Survivor Series, and the plan was for Warrior and Jake to feud post-SummerSlam until the Warrior made his fatal error in holding Vince up for money. And uh, we all know how that played out behind the scenes. Yes, we do. So... Really, we need to ask ourselves, should the main event of SummerSlam 91 have been Hogan and Warrior versus Taker and Jake with Sid as the referee? And I guess I, I want to I start there, Scott. Your thoughts. Should that have been the main event and why? Um, I think that would have been a perfectly great main event. Uh, Hogan and Warrior were still pretty, pretty locked in. Um, I don't know. Obviously, we can't. We can't. Uh, we can't uh, pretend to ignore the fact about Warrior and the and the money demands and the firing. I mean, we could, in this universe, in our alternate universe, pretend that didn't happen. We, I mean, geez, we did a whole episode on Montreal never happening, so we could do that as well. So let's just say Warrior was happy and everything was fine. That would have been a great match. And I think would have been the peak similar to three years earlier when, um, I mean, Hogan was champion. Uh, you know, you could be building to, if you did plan on doing Taker and uh, Hogan still at Survivor Series, that's entirely possible. Um, obviously, Flair was not there yet. So I don't have a problem with with uh, Hogan Warrior against uh, Taker and and, uh, and Jake. I think that's perfectly fine. With uh, 
Sid is the ref. I don't. I think that's. I'm, I, I totally, totally think that's fine. Um, the rest of the card, honestly, you really, you don't really don't do anything with. I mean, you had amazing uh, title matches. You had titles changing all over the place. You had the Legion of Doom, pretty much uh, extended squashing the uh, Nasty Boys. You had, of course, uh, the amazing Brett Perfect match. You had uh, Virgil beating DiBiase with Piper cheering him on. Uh, the energy level at that show at the Garden was just amazing, mm. and I I don't I can't see that being duplicated or or mimicked with any with any other kind of match switch on the undercard. I think all you do is just ditch Slaughter and Muhammad and or uh, you know Mustafa and, <laughs> and, and you know ninety seven year old Iron Sheik and and Adnan, and you just stick take. I like why do you not have Taker and Jake on that show at all? I mean that just it, makes it, no sense. It, it makes no sense at all, and and I so. think this is I think this is a match that even in 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 light of even taking into account Warrior leaving, I think it can still because you build in you no one knew that was going to happen. So the 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 storyline plays out as it does. The question you've got to ask yourself is how do you carry this match? And still create the opportunity for Hogan and Undertaker to meet at Survivor Series for the title. Because if that's where you're going, you can't have Hogan cleanly pin the Undertaker. Because that just wipes that storyline out of the picture. Right. Um, You need to create a scenario. You need to look at this. How can it be? How can that setup allow things to move forward? And I was thinking about this... um, in in the lead up and 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 this is this is my theory and I'll, I'll put it out there and then Scott you might have a different idea but but this would be my theory that the, the match obviously Hogan and Warrior getting getting cheered Jake and and Taker cheating left and right I, I picture that at, at and Sid is the ref and so Sid is constantly getting in the face of of Jake and and Taker as he would probably in the face of Warrior and Hogan you know you can't do that running that he's the justice line and playing it down the middle, like he did in the, in the, um, in the actual, uh, match made in hell. Right. And, and I, and I picture at some point in the match, um, take drops Hogan with the tombstone. He puts him down with the tombstone, but when it happens, something is going on with Jake and warrior that Sid is completely distracted out of the way he's trying to separate them or he's trying to get warrior out of the ring or, or who knows for whatever reason we, we don't have a pinfall attempt. So we don't get Hogan doing the Hulk up. We don't get the kick out of a pin and a Hulk up. Taker is basically gets up and for whatever reason goes over and it might be separates Jake or pushes warrior over the top rope or they do something that, causes taker to get up and at this point warrior and and the undertaker can start brawling and maybe even with jake they could start brawling down the aisle and justice starts just starts the straight count he's counting him out and while he's counting him out hogan can sort of do the sit up and he can go to a knee and even get back up on his feet and he's looking around huffing and puffing where is everyone the only one left in the ring is is Sid, some um, Sid counts the other guys out of the ring as they go through the back, which allows Warrior to be fired. 
when he walks through the curtain. Right. Sid raises Hulk's hand. Hulk is victorious. Hulk gets to pose because, as Bruce Pritchard likes to tell us, Hogan must pose at the end of pay-per-views. It creates that scenario, and they can even do the Hulk-Sid, you know, inviting Sid back and posing with him as well. But it prevents it prevents Taker from being beaten clean. He's He's basically battled warrior out the back it gives the can out so we've seen taker with a clean tombstone and hogan was down and could he have been pinned we don't know but it 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 allows the 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 build then coming out of it would be paul bearer can go on we had you beat you know he tombstoned you you were beaten we were going to win the match but you know warrior is a pain and we had to chase him out and then he he's a coward and he ran away and we never see him again mm-hmm. um alternatively taker and and warrior are, are brawling to the back and and hogan maybe takes down jake leg drop down hulks up takes down jake he gets the pin on jake clean uh, because jake can then move on to to savage that the evilness is is there but i i don't like the idea of either of them losing because jake has only just turned and he needs to be kept strong in my opinion for wherever they're going to go which is eventually um savage with with warrior leaving so that that's how i picture this main event going it allows hogan to get his win and pose it keeps our two heels strong Warrior is irrelevant because he's being fired anyway, and um, it allows everything to move forward the way it ended up doing. Yeah, and everybody got their spot in, and uh, uh, I mean, Warrior's gonna—it's Warrior's gonna be Warrior. I mean, he's gonna have to get squeezed out anyway. Um, uh, so. That going out of that, you still get Hogan Taker the build. Uh, we haven't heard anything about Flair yet, of course, because uh, in this universe that still happens. Um, and you get uh, uh, peeling off of Jake from that feud, and then going into the feud with Savage, which you cannot touch because that that feud is amazing. Um, and, and you still have the ability to do what they did—the whole wedding. At the reception, the, the the present with the snake. I mean, that oh, can all so still good. happen. That that so can good. all still happen. Because uh-huh. Jake's sitting there going, I chased Warrior out and there's my next target. Yep. So good, that feud. Yes, it was. 91-92 heel Jake is just is just gold. Absolute mm. gold. So there's our there's our first uh case study, SummerSlam ninety one. Really the only thing we need to touch we we need to tweak around is uh is uh is the main event because the rest of that card is uh the rest of that card is amazing uh so there's there's no need to uh to to touch that anymore we just need to fix the main event and make it more relevant for the summertime and not deal with a storyline that started back in february and was not going to go all the way to august (laughs) so um all right dave case study number two all right. Well, we're just gonna we're just gonna travel twelve months later, and not not because we're gonna jump to SummerSlam '92, not because SummerSlam '92 is a bad card, but I wanted to look. I want us to look at the at the concept of what if this card was not held in 
the United Kingdom. Because it's it's pretty it's yeah, you guys have discussed this again. This has been discussed quite quite regularly. That the originally the card was announced uh, the original SummerSlam was announced for somewhere in the US, and you probably know offhand, you probably know where I it do. was. I, I do. It uh, was supposed to be according to uh I think it was Herb and a few other people, the strong rumor was that SummerSlam ninety two was supposed to be in Washington, DC. Right. So so it wasn't the, the original plans weren't for SummerSlam to be in the UK. Then they moved it, and then we have what what's become the famous story of of Brett pitching to to Vince. Look, let me wrestle Davy Boy in the UK. We'll put the title on him. It'll be a great match, and and so we have we have almost I feel almost the card gets built out of that. Uh, it gets built out of this idea of they're going to the UK. Brett's wrestling Davy Boy, and then everything else gets built around that. That's what I always felt seems to be the the outpouring of this of this build up. So I want us to look at the question, what if UK pay-per-view never happened? What if the match was held in DC? What if the card was held in DC? How might it have looked different? How might it have been booked differently? Um and I, I think that this this would be interesting because I think there are a few things I question whether some of the booking decisions that went ahead would have occurred. And I think Clearly, the first one is if we start with the IC title, um, Brett's not wrestling Davy Boy if it's not in the UK. Uh, and I think the original plan was he he, he was going to drop the title to Sean because Sean ends up with the belt anyway. So I, I, I have a feeling that was the original plan. Brett and Sean were going to wrestle for the IC title. They were certainly wrestling in the on the house show circuit, and it's around this time that they did that original ladder match and. It, it, it certainly seems to be the plan. Uh, Brett and Sean were going to meet for the title, and Sean was going to take it from him. Uh, your thoughts? Would, would you agree? Would you agree that's probably where they were headed? Yeah, I think so. I think the plan all along was for uh, was for Brett to transition to the uh, to the to the to the main event and become uh, become World Wrestling Federation champion. I think that was always in the plans. So. Because honestly, and 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 uh, uh, Jr. and I documented this. Warrior didn't do much. Warrior, um, Bulldog didn't really do much of anything in 1992, and then suddenly we moved the show to Wembley, and all of a sudden he gets an Intercontinental title shot. Like it was just, it made no sense. Like he was pretty much doing nothing. You know, he was just kind of holding up the mid card throughout most of uh, of 1992, and then all of a sudden the show's at Wembley, and all of a sudden he has an IC title shot. That just made no sense at all. Mm. Um, so if it was supposed to be at the old cap center in Landover, which was the original plan from what I have read for SummerSlam, uh, 1992, um, I do believe, uh, uh, that, uh, um, it was supposed to be Brett and Sean. And I think, I think Sean was supposed to win the title by nefarious means. And, uh, uh, I still think we get Warrior and Savage for the world title. However, here's the interesting thing. Let's. Uh, and my apologies for consistently hearing me drink, but I need to keep my. Uh, I need to keep my pipes moist, or else Dave will be talking to himself. Um. Uh. And that's like listening to Herb Coons read his own read his own notes <laughs> so we don't want it we don't want that either so my apologies um uh 
I can't think at the moment, Dave, of where else to uh, kind of finagle that world title match because you don't want to have a SummerSlam where the heels win both matches. So if we assume that Warrior and Savage still have their schmas and Flair beats Savage that Labor Day weekend in Hershey and um, and then in mid-October in Saskatoon, uh, Brett wins his first world title. Do we assume that all of that uh, still happens, you know? Um, because you can't, I don't think you could have a double main event and have the heels. Because I'm thinking to myself, if Flair's healthy and you do Flair Savage at SummerSlam in a rematch and Flair wins it back, I can't see you having both Flair and Sean win the belts and have two heels win. And then you have no go home happy match. You know what I mean? That, that's, um, a, that's, a, that's a good question. That, 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 that's a, I hadn't thought about it like that because I thought I'd been thinking to myself, well, surely Flair, you know, why not have Flair Savage? You know, right. um, why not go down that line? But I, I hadn't thought of it. Uh, like that, but then then let me throw the question out. Let, let's take it back a step because we're, we're arguing, we're, we're talking about well, you wouldn't have two heels win. Maybe the question needs to be raised: Should Sean go over Brett at SummerSlam if you're pl- preparing him to to move up and and take the the main championship? Do you want him losing to a heel um, at at um, at SummerSlam, because part of part of the 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 benefits, like the the match that he had with Davy Boy, even though he lost the title, he he came out looking better, and and a lot of people have always sort of felt that that sort of helped his his cause and and the and the and the move up the card is is how he came out of SummerSlam looking. If he right. loses to a heel through nefarious means on a major pay-per-view does it does he come out looking as good um because it was that sort of shock you know that that bulldog reversing you know blocking the the victory roll and and grabbing the pin at after they've exhausted themselves it's sort of i think that helped elevate brett does the same elevation happen if he gets hit with a title belt or if Sean grabs the tights or, or, you know, uses brass knucks or whatever, does that same elevation happen? Does Brett need to win? Maybe, maybe win by DQ or something like that. So they can have a rematch at the TV taping a couple of days later and switch it there. That's what I'm kind of thinking because, uh, I mean, if you look at the rest of the roster in 92, um, I mean, you've got money Inc and, and, you know, like the natural disasters with the tag straps. Um, I mean, you get Martell. Razor's not ready yet. I don't know. I mean, that's a hard one, Dave, because there's not a ton of other options to kind of juice that card up. Um, uh, so I think we're kind of stuck. I can see. 
I can see a Brett Sean match with with Brett winning and Sean winning the belt instead of Warrior have Sean. See, I don't know. It's a tough one. Because I, I and I guess I look at you know I look at the what do you want? I always I always found it difficult that they did this major title change the the flair winning the belt back from savage two nights later at a tv taping razor gets involved at the tv taping so you're advancing all your storylines on something that was never and it wasn't a it wasn't even on prime time or um or superstars it was it was just put on a coliseum video it, right. it, it never really it was never really a major thing to see. And, and and that's always bugged me. Why not put this on pay-per-view? Why not have that whole storyline that happened two nights later on pay-per-view where everyone can see it, where it gets that that bigger coverage and that that bigger exposure? Um and and the flying. I agree with you that you know, you don't want two heels winning in one night. And and again, where Brett's going what do you do? You do you, you need to get the IC title belt off him. The right. best place to do that would be on pay-per-view. Uh, that would elevate Sean, but you know, vice versa. The only thing I can think of is if you do run Savage Warrior, I think it's not just Flair and Perfect that need to be involved. They should have got Razor involved as well. And maybe maybe if it was in the US, that would give the opportunity for Razor to get involved. Or do you go down the line? Do we go back to, and this is preempting where Survivor Series end go, but do we go back to the the tag team main event idea? I mean, this is this is ninety two. This is up till now, SummerSlam had been that highlighted tag team main event. Apart from nineteen ninety, where they didn't do it, um, it had been every year you had that main event of a tag team. Do you do Savage Warrior versus? Flair and Razor here rather than where they went to at SummerSlam. Uh, that's entirely possible. And then if you want the baby faces to win that match, then you can have uh, Sean beat Brett again through, you know, nefarious mm. means to win the IC belt, get the belt off him, and then you can elevate Flair, uh, elevate uh, Brett uh, to, be, to win his first world title. I like that idea. And it allows you to. Savage and Warrior can win the match, but of course, because of who they are, Flair and Razor and Perfect can then attack both of them after the match with chairs, you know, take out the knee, do everything that they did to set up the the television taping title change can all still happen. Um, but it, I think it gives that that better exposure to to where the storyline's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 92 is a strange year, particularly for the roster. Um, it's a strange roster. It's very transitional, almost like 91 was very transitional as well. Yeah. I, you may have to, uh, if you're, if you're, uh, uh, if SummerSlam is indeed a domestic in the States, um, I think you have to push up. Um, 
Razor's debut and his vignettes and get him get him going and 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 make him part of the show. I think when it was moved to Wembley and they focused more on on uh on Bulldog, I feel like they they probably could have held back and and uh um and did uh what they did with the main event with the IC belt and then everything else with that and then they were able to keep they were able to kind of marinate the the Razor debut till till the fall. But if you do the pay-per-view in DC, I think Razor has to be pushed back a bit, uh pushed up a bit and uh yeah, and start it start sooner. I think he has to. And then, um, and then and then the flow on out of that, you are you know, the question then gets raised, well, what do you do, you know, the the build up then the flow on out of that is where does Survivor Series go? Well, Survivor Series could have been the the traditional four on four Survivor match. Um, bring some other guys into it, and you still could have done Warrior Leaves, which he did. You still could have done the whole perfect join Savages Survivor Series team. So you could still have, you could still deal with the other end of it. Um, but I think if you do the tag match at Survivor at SummerSlam, then you've got to look at more of the traditional Survivor Series match at survivor series right you could have like uh flair razor sean and maybe it's another heel papa shango papa shango against brett savage perfect and Bulldog, if you want to keep Bulldog elevated or something, you know. Yeah. Um, you could have something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So 92 is tricky. 92 is tricky because you, you tweak it a little bit because obviously you don't put Bulldog in the main event if it's not at Wembley. So, But the the 92 roster is just so strange because you're, you're definitely in a state of transition. Hogan's gone. Now they're, okay, let's go back. Let's backtrack a minute, Dave. We may be going down another hole here, but. What if you coerce Hogan? Because that's the thing. If 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 you have it domestically, I don't see how. Um, I don't see how you keep Hogan out. You know, you Possibly. may need him back. You may need him back after the whole retirement thing at at, at WrestleMania. Well, Terry Funk unretired like 14 times. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, see, because I I, the weird thing about that is and and we're going down a completely different rabbit hole here because uh, we're talking about unretiring retirements. You had that crappy finish at WrestleMania eight, even though, you know, Warriors return was kind of awesome. You know, that whole the end of that that warrior. uh, The end of that warrior Sid match is is, is, it's absolutely. Yeah, the end of that Warrior Sid match is absolutely dreadful. Um, a Warrior Sid, I'm sorry, Hogan Sid. And uh, uh, so if if SummerSlam 92 is indeed in, uh, domestic for me anyway, domestic, if it's at if it's in if it's at the Cap Center in D.C., which was the the rumor. The question is. Do you somehow bring Hogan back? Um. Y- do you put him against Flair? Oh boy, here we go again. 
But then then, uh, then 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 you overshadow then you overshadow everything else on the card. Exactly. Um yeah. That's a tough one, Dave. Because again, the roster was the roster at the moment was so much in flux that I don't know what you I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. Uh I I, th- I think bringing Hogan back creates a bigger bigger headache longer term because because really I always felt SummerSlam 92 is about life after Hogan. Um Brett being elevated, Davy Boy essentially being elevated. Um, Savage and Warrior doing their thing with with Flair around the side. You you're really trying to show that they've moved on from Hogan. And if they were to bring Hogan back, I feel yeah, it, it creates a where do you put him? If you don't want him in the in the in the in the world title match, well, all it's going to do is completely overshadow Savage Warrior. It completely undercuts Brett's what you're trying to do with Brett because people are just going to go, well, Hogan's back. Let's just put the title on Hogan. We don't need to see Brett come up the card. So I feel it, it damages what they were trying to do in this time period with their roster, which, which really felt like a, we're trying to transition into a new way of running things. Right. Yeah. So yeah, probably not a good idea there. Oh, boy. All right. Well, obviously, the one thing you change uh, if SummerSlam 92 is indeed a domestic show here in the States is that uh, you don't do Brett Brett Bulldog because it's no one will care. Um, Because really, again, as the as I said before, the journey that that Jr. and I took in 92 uh, Bulldog was barely doing anything. So, Mm. Um, it was very weird. He, he may not even he may not even make the card if 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 it's if it's not held in the UK. Yeah, honestly, I, I agree. So, all right, well, we got it as good as we could on that one. Uh, that one was a tricky one. This one may even this one is not nearly as tricky because case study number three, uh, we're taking a main event completely out of the picture in my personal opinion. But uh, please set the table, Dave. Um. We, we we just again we we're just jumping forward a, a a couple of years and I guess we're looking at um what might possibly be one of the worst main events in the history of SummerSlam. Now we'll battle this one with what we'll be talking about immediately following this one, but SummerSlam '94 and the battle of the Undertakers quite possibly the worst match in SummerSlam history. I don't know that there are many, many more. Like I said, there's one match that'll, that'll rival it that we'll talk about in a minute. But I mean, this match was, was abysmal. And I always felt the storyline building into it was absolutely a waste of time. It was horrible. Um, The whole idea of Ted DiBiase saying, I brought the Undertaker in. He's my man. I'm bringing him back. Um, when everyone they'd already built the character of of the Undertaker into this, they'd elevated him to a status during '92. Once they turned him face, he'd he'd elevated away from that concept. I felt he he really had been moved into a a different realm of presentation that you just knew Undertaker was never going to be with DiBiase. 
and you know, bringing in Brian Lee to be a fake undertaker, and you got to feel sorry for him to be put in that position. It, it just never, it never cut it. And then the match itself was just an overabundant waste of time. And Leslie Nielsen looking for the Undertaker throughout the show was probably the only decent, <laughs> decent part of the storyline that ever existed. Right. Yeah. So, so we want to remove that match, that main event. And so the two questions that come out of that are, who should the Undertaker face in his return to the company? And what should the main event of SummerSlam 94 be? Now, personally, and I think you might be in line with me on this one, Scott, I don't think there's any doubt that the first mistake the company made was not putting the Brett Owen Hart match as the main event of SummerSlam. Absolutely. Absolutely. That so, chaos afterwards with Bulldog back and Nightheart and them crawl, climbing the, trying to climb the cage after Nightheart and, and Owen locked the door and beat the shit out of Brett in the cage and they're trying to climb out, climb it. I mean, it was just, everything about that was awesome. That that absolutely should have been the last match of the night. No doubt and, about it. And I wonder if that was part of the problem for for this Battle of the Undertaker thing is I think the crowd were had just been worked into a frenzy that, that nothing could follow. I mean, the match, talk about what you want. And I know the Brett Owen title match that cage match there's 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 a lot of people there's there's a lot of different opinions about that match personally i like it um it might not be the greatest match in history but i like it i like the storyline because you've locked these two brothers in the cage but all owen wants to do is win and to win he's got to get out all brett wants to do is keep his title he wants to get out it's not they're not blood feuding they are they're trying to tell a story of, of getting out and winning the title and being the best heart. So I quite, I, I don't mind the match and the, and the end of it is great. So I wonder if they've built the crowd into such a frenzy that nothing could follow it. Almost like rock Hogan at, at WrestleMania 19. There's, it doesn't matter what came on after it. Nothing. It doesn't matter how good Hunter and Jericho was going to be in the ring. It could never follow that match and yep. i don't think anything could follow the heart match i think it should have gone on last i agree 100 percent um by the way it's 18 not 19 18 so uh, yeah 19 was rocking was actually uh 19 had a, just as awesome a hogan match because i will contend that that hogan vince street fight is so damn entertainingly awesome i i put it up against any other vince match ever um and that Rock Hogan matches, uh, that uh, Rock Austin match is pretty great. Actually, 19 is just a great show. But anyway, that's another show. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, that you put uh, Brett Noen last. I, I don't see – it was a great feud. It was the top feud all year in the company, going back to Survivor Series 93 and then the 94 Rumble in Providence, which I actually watched last night actually over at uh, – uh, Mr. Rosero's house. Uh, we for some reason we watched the '94 Rumble for some because he was there. So, um, you know, and, and everything there. And then you had, uh, and then you had, uh, you know, ten and the King of the Ring, and it was just it was the backbone show of the uh, of the year, backbone uh, a feud of the year. 
So I, I don't see why you don't have it last. To answer your second question, if I may. Who does Taker face? May I, ask, may, may I answer that question, sir? Ab- absolutely, because I think that's the bigger question. Yep. Uh, very easy. I think you move up a match from Survivor Series, and that's where you get your rematch with Yokozuna. You put it there. You tell everyone, you know, because you go back to the Rumble, and Yoko and the 97 heels, they all, uh, you know, threw him in the casket. And uh, um, uh, and then he lifted up from the heaven to the heavens or the hells or whatever it was supposed to be. Um, and that's where you get your Yoko rematch. All summer he's taunting. He he wants his world title back. He says, "I got to beat the Undertaker. I killed the Undertaker. He's not coming back. You know, he's not." He's he's done. I killed him in January. He's not coming back. This is a big joke. You know, right now my quest is to once again, you know, I'm going to take on, you know, you could what I would have done. See, here's what I would have done. Doing a little extension here, Dave. So so bear with me. I would have even though Backland was an awesome heel, I would have skipped the Backland stuff. What I would have done is had Brett Nowen, Yoko, and Taker, and then at Survivor Series have Yoko and Brett, even though Taker beat Yoko, you have a Brett-Yoko rematch. And then if you want to put the title on Diesel, figure it out somewhere. But that's another episode for another day. But I would have done, I would have moved up from Survivor Series. It doesn't have to be a casket match. But I would have moved up and had the rematch between Yoko and Taker at SummerSlam. That's what I would have done. I think that makes, it makes the most sense. It, it, right? It, it ties in with... Um, what, what, like you said, what happened at the Rumble, and it, and it ties in. He's the man that that um, got rid of him, and you could even you could still tie DBRC into the storyline. DBRC yep. tried to, you know, tries to bring Taker back. Oh, I've got the money. Taker obviously doesn't want to want a part of it, and so you know, DBRC puts a bounty on his head or tells Yokozuna, I've got, you know, here's the bonus. You win the, you beat him, whether it's a casket match or whatever match. And, you know, here's the, here's the bonus money. And, and, and so coming out of that, you know, Cornette and, and Fuji can be, you know, reminding Yokozuna of the money that they're all going to, they're all going to share and they can talk it all up. It, it certainly, it certainly seems the most logical idea and 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 always again it astounds me why was yokozuna not on that card anyway he'd just been the dominant champion for 12 months he lost the title after wrestling two matches at wrestlemania and he's not on the SummerSlam card not in any way not not you're not giving him any opportunity to rehab he's 
he's wrestling all through the house shows. He's not. He's still all over TV, so it's not like he's injured. It's not like he needs a break. Um, they just. I don't get the booking idea sometimes. Why are you leaving these guys that are the drawers right. off the show? Mm-hmm. Off the show. Even even if yeah, even if you want, even if they wanted to do Taker Taker, why did they not have Yokozuna squashing someone else? Um, just to, just to put the heat back on him, you know, show that he's still the dominant guy, and you know, he's you know whether it be Taker Brett whoever, they've still got to deal with him. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I have a problem with that at all. Uh, and again, it extends you into the back end of 94. And I still think, and we actually, uh, uh, you were, you were uh, discussed quite often over the weekend, Dave, uh, in, uh, in uh, my visit to uh, my PIC's uh, resort. Because um, we were talking about, because we were watching the 94 Rumble. We were talking about Razor, and I mentioned our, our episode uh, that you and I did on Scott Hall. And uh, we talked about the possibility of Razor becoming uh, world champion. And that's something you could think about, um, you know, maybe having, maybe having Diesel keep the IC belt at SummerSlam. And then maybe you have Razor turn heel and have him beat Brett at Survivor Series 94 and then work something out with Sean and maybe have Razor Sean rematch at WrestleMania 11, something like that, but we're going way off the rails. But anyway, <laughs> my point is, I think um, I think that the best opponent for Taker in his return that SummerSlam was Yoko. I think it was, he was the one who got who, who took him out that was the storyline at the beginning of the year. I feel you close the storyline, skip the under faker bullshit. Cause that was just absolute, absolute nonsense. And if it was just simply to give DiBiase something to do, that's a fucking stupid excuse. To and, put and there were better together. And the thing is, if they want it to be something tied with DiBiase, there were better options on the card. I mean, you could have put Bam Bam Bigelow in that match. Yes. I mean, Bam Bam is, is, one of DBRC's guys by this point. If you if you want it to focus around DBRC being annoyed that Taker wouldn't take his money, then have Taker wrestle Bam Bam. Bam Bam would have got a decent match out of Taker. You would have had it earlier in the card. Wouldn't have had to have gone in a main event. Bigelow could take the loss. I mean, he was losing to everyone by this point, but he would always have been believable enough that you know. He he looks tough. He looks threatening. You know, Bam Bam was always believable enough that you could have put that match on, and people would have at least accepted that. You know, this is probably the best guy DBRC has to take on the Undertaker. You know, it's funny, uh, Dave, because last night when we were in our little uh, our little powwow outside of the uh, Rosero compound, we were talking about uh, some other guys in 94 that got totally underutilized and i think one of the guys is bigelow mm. uh we were watching the match with with tatanka at rumble 94 and he's he's pretty over as a heel and he's a good worker he did an awesome i never noticed this the taunt that he does on tatanka you know how tatanka does that little dance in the ring with the yep. 
He he boots. He's doing the dance in the middle of this match, and I think it's I think the time I think Bigelow boots him or something, and then Bigelow uh, taunts the dance, and I'm like, wow, that's great heel work right there. I think Bigelow was a completely underutilized talent in 1994, and I think he's a guy that you could have elevated a little bit yeah. and been a guy that maybe chased Taker too, you know. Mm. Um, if anything, and, I would have probably transitioned Yoko off of Fuji and Cornette and maybe put Yoko with DiBiase then and made DiBiase's corporation, which was hurting anyway, maybe a little bit more teeth, but uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, uh, but, uh, but to be fair, I mean, you compare Cornette to DBRC, I, I there's there's no comparison. Uh, that is true. Unf- that un- is true. Unfortunately, I think yeah, you, that's true. Yeah, you would have just. I think it would have just taken Yoko down a notch. Um, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Yeah, but but certainly the hide gun idea. You know, like I said, DBRC paying Yoko and and Cornette, and so you know the uh, idea that you could have three managers out there, Cornette and Fuji are out there, and DBRC is out there because he's paying them. It it puts that image over, but in the end, you still know that Yoko's with Corny and, and Fuji. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. So, but anyway, I, I, I definitely think, I mean, in an alternate universe that, that taker faker storyline is just trash and it mm. made no fucking sense. And it was just absolute garbage. And I would have just totally destroyed it and got rid of it. Um, yeah. So, uh, we did our best on that one. Uh, case study number four. We are really going to have to get our caps on this <laughs> because this one's going to take a lot of lot of juice, uh, Dave. Uh, what is our fourth uh, case study? Uh, well, we're going. We we talked about. I, I mentioned earlier the the worst main event in uh, in SummerSlam history is Taker Faker, um, closely rivaled by probably the main event of the following year, which was Diesel versus Mabel in what is quite possibly the worst. SummerSlam card in history. I think I don't think there's any doubt about it. If anyone, if you ask anyone, what is the worst SummerSlam ever? SummerSlam '95 comes to mind. Yep. Um, it is. It is. It is a terrible card with a lot of poor matches. And so, the question's always, can '95 be saved? I mean, the. There's a lot of I mean we, we're talking about a year where the roster was in a in a bit of a really bad way, um, and and what do you do? You know the company had made some decisions to turn. You know they turned Sean face earlier in the year, so they had no real major heels running the running the gambit. You've got Diesel as your champion. You've got Sean. You've got Brett. You've got Razor. You've got all these guys that sort of vying for the the number one baby face role. What what do you do? Where do you go? And SummerSlam 95 is just a horrendous event. So let's let's have a look. Could this event have been improved or how could it have been improved? I want to start right at the top and I want to propose that Mabel should never have been in the championship match. Where do you go with Diesel? I've got, I, I want to put it out there and this is going to tie back to uh, our previous episode, which you just mentioned before. But I want to throw it out there. Maybe the main event of SummerSlam 95 should have been Diesel versus Razor. 
And 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 I and I and I, my rationale is this: firstly, Razor is no longer in the IC title picture. Sean has got the belt, um, so Razor has a lot of freedom to be utilized in various ways. Secondly, the storyline could be built on the premise of Razor saying, I beat Diesel last year at SummerSlam 94. I'm the only man who has pinned Diesel for a championship belt. I am the man who can do it again. So you can have a build that ties into the babyface elements and yet at the same time possibly start a, a heel turn for Razor. Uh, but it doesn't need to happen either. You could you could have him show heelish elements all around wanting to take that title. I think Diesel Razor would have been a hell of a main event, which brings stories to full circle. You could have Diesel retain the title. They could shake hands afterwards. Yep, you, you got me this year. Last year it was my, this year it's you. Oh, I think that match would have been much more entertaining and a better overall story than what we got. You know, I'm I'm looking at the card right now on Wikipedia, and and this this just this just sucks. <laughs> I mean, when you've got it, when you've got to stick Barry Horowitz on a card, or as Mister Perfect affectionately called him, Barry Horriblewitz, mm. um, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, let's take a look at the main players. So you've got Diesel, Razor, Sean, Brett, Taker. Let's look at those five guys. Mm. What do you do with them? Because uh, Taker wrestles Kama, and the storyline was they melted down the urn, which is fucking well, stupid. Taker um, was in the middle of the feud with the corporation over his fucking urn. Over, over the, the urn. urn. <laughs> I mean, good and, grief! Yeah, it was just it was it was a horrible, horrible storyline. It never it never worked. But that's where they had Taker in in that mix at that time. Yeah, it just ugh. crap. Uh, I like Diesel Razor. I love Diesel Razor. What about Sean? Who do you elevate? Well, the the original. I, I wonder. I mean storylines that have been happening from mania sean's face turn happened because he was attacked by sid and they never had any major blow off and we know that sean can take sid to a decent match we know sid can't work with diesel we've seen that twice but we know sean has a history of being able to take sid to a match do you do you have him face sid in an ic title match sort of revenge for you know, Sid's attack on him. Do you bring Dean Douglas into the mix? Now, our boy Shane has just arrived and he was doing the whole backstage evaluation thing on this night. Do you put him in the, in, in there, in that, in that match? The pulling of Sid. I get that. I mean, that was a I mean, that was like a, that was a shoot decision because let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> They they had already realized that this card was garbage, and I feel like I feel like us getting Sean Razor two was supposed to be a consolation prize for having that shit main event. Why not? Why not 
You don't want to do Diesel Brett because you're not gonna you're gonna take care of that at Survivor, Survivor series. series. Right. So you're not gonna do that now. I like Diesel Razor. I would have done Sean Sid. And what about Brett should have had the blow off match with the king at this card and not it in your house. Right. And make it a cage match. The kiss my foot cage match. Oh God. Whatever. Oh, but you know what I mean? Like, but this this should have been the blow off. They did it on at in your house, but they should have done it at SummerSlam because at least with the King, while he really wasn't a, a player, he is. there's more heat behind it than Brett wrestling Isaac Yankum or Hakushi or Jean-Pierre Lafitte or anyone else on the roster. Right. At, least, at least the storyline, there's a back storyline there that they were always able to come back to. And they had. They'd been playing it off for the, for, for the last few months. Um, they should have just done the blow-off match at SummerSlam and nodded in your house. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, did we really need... I understand that... that I understand that uh, Vince liked Glenn Jacobs. Um, and But doing the whole dentist thing was so stupid. Mm. I would have just waited even though I did get a great uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, limited edition figure out of it that I am um, staring at right now. Um, uh, but it just... Um, um, it's just so crazy uh, uh, that they had all these weird gimmicky things Um I don't know. They, well, I feel like want... they cluttered. I feel like they cluttered the mid card with all of this weird, schlocky junk, and um, and didn't really think about it. You know, mm. Jarrett was was really the problem. Was Jarrett was was a top flight mid card heel at that point, and then he just disappeared. Yeah, you know, and then he came back, obviously, but. Um, but he he'd only just he'd only just bailed. He wasn't coming back for a little while, right? So, but but here's the thing: if you're wanting to elevate someone, like like that, they're bringing the the whole Isaac Yankum thing and law. If you if you're wanting to bring someone in, why not bring? Why not put Dean Douglas in that match with Brett? Why not? Yeah, you know, if Jerry wants to bring someone in, why can't he bring his school teacher friend or the guy who he you know? You know, he's the the most educated man. I mean, Brett D- Brett and Douglas would have been a better match than Brett and Isaac Yankum. I mean, Shane's coming off that run. I call him Shane, Dean Douglas. I mean, he's Shane Douglas. He's coming off that ECW he run. He's He's been the top guy in ECW. That's what got him the contract with the company. Why not put him in a match? He doesn't have to win the match. Brett can still win the match, but Dean is he, Douglas is going to come out looking a hell of a lot better in a match against um, against Bret Hart, than standing around just criticizing people. It, it if you want him to if you want him to put someone into an elevation spot that's still going to lose to Bret, I feel 
Shane Douglas in in that role could have could have benefited because he could have at least had a decent match with Brett. Isaac, you know, Glenn Jacobs wasn't ready. He wasn't ready no. for the spot they put him in. At least Douglas would have been able to go hold for hold and move for move with Brett for a while. And um, it would have been a much better match to watch. Yes, I agree. I, I like the Diesel Razor main event. I really do. I like that idea. Um, you could have maybe did a Brett Taker test match here, perhaps. Um, because Brett really tanks that title reign that he has between when he beats Diesel mm. at Survivor Series 95 when he loses to Sean and the Iron Man. Because, like, that match with Taker at Rumble 96 should have been a better match than it was. And, and yeah. Brett kind of paint-by-numbered it almost to – he didn't even hide it. Mm. Um, so I, I think maybe they maybe we get a more – I mean, obviously, they would have better matches in 97. Um, but again, we're in, we got a problem because the roster is so devoid of talent right now. Um, I mean, another thing that they did on, on, on this card, which in the build to this card, which astonishes me, we've just highlighted you've got a, you, you've got a real lack of depth in this roster. And so what do they do? One week before SummerSlam, they take their their the, the team that they built as their number one babyface team in Luger and Bulldog, and they turn Bulldog heel to start to prepare him to face Diesel after SummerSlam. And in the process, they killed off their tag team title match. Owen and Yoko <laughs> versus Allied Powers doesn't happen. Right. Because Bulldog turned heel one week before SummerSlam. Why right. not hold that bait? Why not hold that heel turn off, and until the night after SummerSlam? Why not have Owen and Yoko beat Luger and Bulldog? That would have been a decent match, not over the top, but Owen and Bulldog would have been able to, you know, do some good stuff in the ring. Would have done good stuff in the ring. We know that. Um, you could have. Luger take the loss and then the next night Bulldog's blaming him and walks out on him and does the attack on Diesel and off you go, you know? Right. Bulldog's on his heel run then. Why does it need to happen one week before SummerSlam? Yeah, that was kind of a strange time thing as well. Who does a heel turn, a major heel turn, before a pay-per-view and do nothing about it Mm. and do nothing with it? Like, Like, who does that? That's just that's bizarre. So if you, no. if you t- if you keep that match on the card, Owen and Yoko versus the Allied Powers. You have HBK wrestling Sid. You've got Hart versus either Jerry Lawler or Dean Douglas. Diesel versus Razor Ramon. You keep one two three Kid versus Hakushi because that was a great little match. Yes, it was. And, and all of a sudden, you've got a card that has the potential to be quite good. Yeah. Uh, and then that that Diesel Razor match could be a banger of a of a of a main event, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, yes, the roster was very thin, so it was really hard to kind of fit everybody in. 
But you did have a pretty good top-heavy roster, though. You had a good amount of main eventers. You have Taker. You have, you know, Sean. You have Diesel. You have Razor. They're just uh, they're they're all baby faces. Yeah, and 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 that's why you know doing Diesel Razor, you've got the opportunity. Then you can turn Razor if you want, and you can carry that feud on for another couple of months. Or you can keep him babyface and do what they did, and it 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 works either way. But it, it, I think Razor would have been enough. You know, he's the right guy to sort of do the whole. I want the gold, and if he turned heel, everyone would have accepted it. And if he does the handshake at the end of it, you're still going to be entertained. Right. The the perfect. I I didn't even I didn't even think of that, Dave, until you just said that that uh that all these top flight main eventers are all faces. Hmm. And they have that same problem a year later when Sid was champion, but you had Vader, Taker, Brett, and Sean all at the same time at the end of 96. So it's just, it's just not, it's not easy. I don't, I don't envy them particularly this time when they didn't have a ton of money yet Hmm. uh, to get back in the groove. So that's, that's another one that's very hard to, but I, I most definitely would have uh, turned Razor heel and done Sean and done Diesel Razor in the main event for the world title. So it's two straight SummerSlams. You know, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, you did two straight Manias with Brett and to Yoko. Who cares? Yeah. You know? Uh, but yeah, that's the problem. There's no good. It's kind of like the, the problem. We had with when we did our episode with uh, Warrior in '90. There's just no heels. Mm. There's no good heels. You turned everybody babyface early in the year, like Sean and uh, and now you're stuck with what? Comma, uh, you know, Dean Douglas. You had, is, a pretty, you had a pretty good, good heel in Jarrett, and he's gone, mm. you know? But even then, if they'd let Douglas come in with the character he played in ECW, right? it would have been... It, it would have been something that might... It, yeah. might have, it might have really been something that would have been an uppercut. He might not have been the, the ultimate main eventer, but it certainly would have been believable uppercut stuff at a time that they needed it, rather than... Um, you know, shackle him with the with the with the Dean gimmick. Right. That was idiotic. But it was nineteen ninety five WWF and they weren't thinking outside the box like that. That's right. I mean Jesus, uh Dave, earlier that year at the King of the Ring, which is an entirely different pile of dog shit, um in the middle of Philly, when everyone's chanting ECW and no one understands why. Well, mm. we understand why. Vince didn't understand why. Why is ECW, why are we getting ECW chance, you know, because this pay-per-view is fucking crap. Um, mm. I mean, that's, that, we may have to do an episode going down the, the looking glass of just um, pick every crappy pay-per-view. Maybe we could steal uh, Ben Locke's wrestling chicken salad, uh, <laughs> chicken salad, uh, 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 um, List. Yeah, at least go through yeah. all theirs, yeah. All that <laughs> slop, but anyway. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I think I think at least getting rid of Mabel, because that's just slop, and mm. putting a diesel razor main event put Sid and Sean back on because I think that match would have been very good. Mm. And maybe have Brett Taker in like a number one contenders match. Oh yeah, that could be your build. To, winner gets the winner gets, a, winner gets the shot at Survivor Series. Winner gets the shot at Survivor Series. You know, and then, you know, Taker could be taken out by the corporation or, you know, whatever. I don't know. But yeah, but you're looking for if we're looking for better matches uh, and and tweak that card. I think that's the best we're going to get. Hmm. Again, we're, we're dealing just like in 94, uh, pretty much the same roster. We're dealing with a depleted roster with people not in their right spots to make a, a good um a good enough uh, uh, card. So I, I think that's the best we can do. But I think Diesel Razor is 700 times better than Diesel Mabel. That's for sure. Mabel getting a title shot was just absolute lunacy, Dave. Mm. Lunacy, I tell you. Um, all right. So there you go. Uh, I think we tweaked that about as best as we could. I remember, you know, seeing Bertha Faye beat Alundra Blaze was probably pretty dumb. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's about as close as we're going to get. It's not much more we're going to uh, be able to tweak with that. So, hopefully we made that a better SummerSlam. <laughs> the <laughs> smallest of tweaks. So, all right. Uh, case study number five, Dave, which I find much easier than these last two. But mm. I guess that depends on your point of view. What do we got? All right, well, we're going to get ourselves out of the 90s. We're going to come into into post-2000, post-Monday uh, Night Wars. We're going to jump all the way to 2003, and I guess I want to give you the opportunity to to uh to bring your 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 boy your your interest into the uh into the realm of uh uh-huh. through looking glass i've been waiting yep. to do this for a while okay want to look at the a3 summer the summer slam 2003 main event um we we have the the main event that we got is the um elimination chamber and and, and i'm gonna i'm gonna be clear i don't think it's a bad I don't think it's a bad main event by any by any stretch. I don't think it's a it's a shocking, you know, take a faker diesel Mabel sort of level match. But there's a lot of criticism as to why this was the main event of SummerSlam when everything had been pointing to a Goldberg Triple H showdown main event. Showdown. Yep. Yep. And and so I guess I guess there's the question. It, it, should that have been our main event? Now I get that there were some injury issues, but I'm not so sure the injury came in before they made the announcement and if or if the injury came in after. But I've always felt that the the storyline they had built in that company since Goldberg's arrival, everything pointed that Goldberg should have been meeting Hunter at survive at SummerSlam 2003, and, and I guess let me put it to you: where, where do, what do you think of that, Scott? Is should that have been the main event of of, of SummerSlam in 2003? Should Goldberg and Hunter been facing each other for the world title? 
Um, I don't do this very often, Dave, and it makes me sad when I have to do this, but I have to disagree with you. I'm okay keeping the Elimination Chamber. The, the match itself is not the problem. The way the match was booked was the problem. I didn't mind an Elimination Chamber. I didn't mind having those guys in there. What they should have done was Goldberg should have come out first and just destroyed everybody. Open a, open a chamber, spear. Open the next chamber, spear. Open the next chamber, spear. Open the next chamber, spear. Jackhammer, jackhammer. Triple H is last. His comes off. He's staring at Goldberg. Goldberg's looking at him. It's your turn, bitch. Get out of here. Just come on, man. Time to get to the time to get to the listening to the uh, learning tree. I'm here. You're next. That's what he should do. He should have been screaming at the chamber. You're next. And Triple H is shitting his pants in the chamber. And then Goldberg boots the boots the door open, does what it, and just absolutely destroys Triple H and wins the world title there. So I do believe Goldberg should have won the world title. What I don't have a problem with is the fact that we did a chamber. I have no problem with the rematch at – I don't have a problem with a Triple H-Goldberg match at Unforgiven, but you're in Phoenix. You're in a big show, big venue, hot crowd. You you just should have had uh, – you might as well have just had Goldberg win there. Instead of wasting that chance and then get kind of the throwaway – title shot at Unforgiven. You're in the middle of this sparse crowd in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Triple H is gimpy from a bad quad, a uh, bad groin, which is why he was wearing the infamous bike shorts. And the match is not good. So respectfully, Dave, I agree. Goldberg should have won the title that night at SummerSlam, but I don't have a problem keeping the chamber the problem is not the match. The problem is how the match was booked. And it simply, very simply put, Goldberg should have just destroyed everybody. The place would have gone batshit. He, Triple H is the last one in the, in the chamber, and he's looking at him. And Goldberg's just yelling through the glass, you're next, you're next, you're next. And Triple H is sitting there shitting his pants, shitting mm. his bike shorts. So, you know, yeah. Flair, Flair's trying to keep him from opening <laughs> the thing. Orton's like trying to, you know, and and, De- and evolution just gets the shit beat out of it. Goldberg well, should have just laid waste to yeah. everybody in the ring that night at SummerSlam in Phoenix and walked out the world heavyweight champion. Look, I, I've got to agree with you there. And as I said, it's not it's not the worst um, concept of a main event. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. It, Batista was injured at this time, wasn't he? He wasn't. Um, he wasn't right. a part of SummerSlam. Bill, if Evolution. Watch, right. If you watch the Evolution episode of the Ruthless Aggressive uh, series on Peacock, or in your case, Dave, the network, um, uh, they both got hurt in a Dudley Boys match. Of course, everyone thinks that it was on purpose because Bubba Ray's a dick. Um, Orton came back first. His his injury was not as serious as Batista's was because Batista comes back to cash in the bounty, which I love that storyline because yep. me being a Crockett fan, I love bounties. So Triple H stole that straight out of his boy Harley race in 1983. Um, 
So he comes back just after SummerSlam. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, actually, no. He comes back. I think October. Okay. He comes back in October. All right. Because um, I, I'm 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 looking at. I asked that question because I'm looking at, like you said, how does this match? How should this match have looked? And I like the idea of Goldberg creaming, you know, running through everyone. But when you look at who's in the match, I, I wonder if they should have started. I, I, I can't remember who starts it, but if 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 Jericho and, and HBK, they start the, the match and they can right. do their, they can do, you get, you, you're going to get five minutes of back and forth all over the place, you know, putting it all out there, putting it all on the line. And then when the when you know when it when the first gong goes off, it's Goldberg who comes out. And then it starts to like you said, he can start to lay carnage. He can probably straight out of line, spear Jericho out of his boots, straight up, pin him one, two, three. Maybe a little bit of back and forth with HBK, takes him out one, two, three. Then you work through Nash, because um, Nash was in that that one. And then you've got He's left with Orton and um, Hunter. Mm-hmm. He's left with Evolution, Flair on the outside. Orton comes out. Maybe it doesn't last long. Orton, Orton, um, you know, whatever. Orton gets beat just before it's time for Triple H's thing to open. And what you were saying, he's banging on it. He's threatening Triple H. is scared to death. And as the referees open the cage door to get Orton out of the chamber, uh-huh. Flair rushes in, and Flair comes in with it with a with a steel chair for a moment and pounds on the back of of um, of Goldberg. Maybe Orton turns around, jumps back in. We get a triple team for for a couple of minutes. You know, Hunter now all confident because Goldberg's down. You get a triple team for a couple of minutes, and then Goldberg makes the comeback again. Spears Flair, Spears Orton, throws him out of the ring. Flair turns back into chicken shit. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Spear, pin, middle of the ring. It's all done and dusted. And uh, and Goldberg has had to overcome the full evolution in the process of getting that win. Right. Yeah, and- that's exactly what that's exactly what you do. I mm. agree. Yeah. And then and then you come out of that and then you need to you need to again what what WWE have have this little history of is not really following up very well. Goldberg should have gone on a rampage um after that. And and Hunter has his rematch, but almost Hunter doesn't want he wants the rematch, but he doesn't want the rematch. Because he he, he you know, maybe the bounty needs to come in earlier and he starts paying people off. To, to take Goldberg out, to do anything he can to try and get Goldberg weakened before they have their rematch in ring. Um, but yeah, it, it, it certainly, it would have, it would have looked more impressive for Goldberg to go on a rampage, both in that match and in the, in the, in the fallout, um, getting some, getting some really fast, quick, I mean, uh, victories. Cause that's what, that's where the aura of Goldberg came from. It came from those quick victory after victory after victory. 
And we talked about that when we when we did our Goldberg episode um, previously, when we talked about the streak and Starcade. We we talked about that. But it is it, always a shame that that WWE looked at it in a different light. And then when Hunter and Goldberg met one on one, it was it was it was this longer drawn. Even when Goldberg won the match, it, it really didn't seem um, conclusive. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it would it would have helped more, I think, if if we'd had that conclusive week. And that, you know, tearing through five other people in an elimination chamber would have been as bad as conclusive as you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you want to do whatever you do through the fall and you have the two matches at Unforgiven and Survivor Series and then, you know, Triple H wins it at Armageddon to set up 2004, that's fine. But... What they did at SummerSlam was criminal. Mm. Uh, and because then, again, that it should have been won in a singles match. Goldberg needs to win. That's, a, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, and then Triple H, who's gimpy anyway, and then they have a very average match at Unforgiven. Uh, Goldberg wins, and people are kind of caring, but they're like, yeah, but he should have won last month. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so... But that that's what I think solves that problem. I think the only thing you have to do, you keep the match, because I think I don't have a problem with the chamber. Uh, but you have Goldberg just absolutely destroy everybody. Hmm. Not even make it close. Yeah. Um and just have him taunting Triple H while Triple H is hiding in the in the clear chamber. You're next, you're next, you're next. Like just screaming it at him. Open the damn door and take your beating like a man. And Triple H just can't handle it. Hmm. And uh, Orton's trying to get in the chamber to say, like, it, it, I think the visuals would have been amazing. Yep. So that's about it. The rest of SummerSlam 03, I mean, the rest of that card's not terrible. It's not a bad card. Yeah. I mean, it was the end of the of the awesome SummerSlams because pretty much 90, like the next, the previous six SummerSlams from 97 to 02, all six of those SummerSlams are amazing. Amazing. If you look at every card from SummerSlam 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, and 2002, that was one pay-per-view during the Attitude Era that was consistently great. Mm. And 03 kind of broke the streak because 03 was not great. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't at the level of those other ones. Um, so I think the only thing, the only change you really need to do is to uh, is to just rebook the chamber and have Goldberg just absolutely destroy everybody taunting triple H, you know, boot the, boot the chamber open like they did and just have him just destroy him. Yeah. That's really what you do. Uh, Hmm. what else, who else is on that card? Is that big show Kurt Brock or is that just Kurt Brock? Um, I think it's just Kurt Brock. I'll just bring it up here. I've got it here. 03 is um, uh, Kane RVD, Kurt Brock, um, Eddie faces Benoit, Tajiri, and Rhino in a four-way for the U.S. title. Uh, Shane McMahon faces Eric Bischoff. Um, Undertaker beats Albert. And uh, La Resistance over, over the Dudley boys. Yep. So not bad. 
Not a bad card. Not great. Not as good as the others, but not terrible. Not terrible. Well, especially when you've got six of your top players all in the one match in the main event. I mean, when yeah, you've got Jericho, Sean, Orton, Hunter, and Goldberg all in the main event, along with Kevin Nash, who shouldn't have been in the main events at that point. But when you when you've when you've got so many people in one match, you really you, you've you've got it opens up the depth. And um, I think with what they had, I think that that's not a bad undercard. No. And I've noticed that most of our, most of our problems tonight or most of our issues that we're fixing uh, through the looking glass are roster depth problems. That seems to be the most common denominator of all the things we've needed to fix is roster depth. And creative depth, meaning, like in the case of 95, all the heavy hitters are baby faces. How many mm-hmm. baby face, baby face matches are you going to have? You can't have too many of them. Um, so. Well, I don't know that that argument can be made for our last case study. Uh, no. I, don't, I don't know that roster depth and uh, too many faces on one side of the roster is going to be the answer in our last case study. Yes. So. What do we got? Case study number six, the last one. And I think this is one a lot of people want us to fix. So, All right. We're going to jump ahead to uh, 2010. You talked before about criminal outcomes in a main event, that it was criminal that Goldberg didn't go over in that, in that um, SummerSlam 2003 main event. Well, I think when you talk about criminal outcomes of a main event, 2010 is probably up there as maybe the worst example. The Nexus versus Team John Cena, I think would be the best way to put it. And what what is what is a, uh, a very hard to understand rationale for an outcome for a match. So um, just talking about what we can talk about where things go in a moment, but where we think they could have gone. Maybe, but let's just, you know, if we, if we look at the build, you know, this wasn't a bad build. This was a good build. You had the Nexus come out. You had the, the, you know, all these guys out of NXT turn up on raw, beat the crap out of everyone. Daniel Bryan chokes the ring announcer gets fired as a result, but you have Nexus arrive on raw and go on a rampage. And, beat the crap out of everyone and you start to build to this you know this idea of we're the young guys we want our spots we want to be you to take notice of us and respect us and you build to this big main event at SummerSlam, where the nexus are meeting almost the entire main event roster of raw john cena edge chris jericho john morrison I don't know that our truth is a is a um, right a, a main event. Bret Hart um, in in this little comeback stretch. I know we only wrestled the ones who didn't really wrestle, but Bret Hart at least is a name. So you've got a very big name, high level, high caliber talent on John Cena's team, and of course the returning Daniel Bryan. Um, on his team and on the other side you've got all these young guys and Mm -hmm. the way the match plays out the the nexus are getting the the better of 
the established guys for most of the match. And you, mm-hmm. you end up in this. Now, I, I, I'll circle back to Daniel Bryan. Let, let's just do a general overview. We, we end up at the point where it is essentially th- almost three on two, a uh, three on one almost. But, you know, it, Cena is getting the snot beaten out of him. He's been, he's been beaten up in the match. He then gets attacked by Jericho and Edge at ringside and they beat him down. Um, Daniel Bryan gets eliminated. You're left with, with John Cena on his own against Wade Barrett against, uh, Justin Gabriel. I think Heath Slater just got eliminated, but you are, you've got Cena who's been beaten up by main event guys on the concrete floor. He looks out of it and then he ends up making the Superman comeback, beating both guys and, and the Nexus are dead and buried. Mm-hmm. By the end of SummerSlam, with nowhere to go, you've you've they've just absolutely buried these guys by having them all lose clean to John Cena, and it it begs the question: what, why, and um, what really should it have looked like? Because I think it it, it what they tried to do afterwards is continue this Wade Barrett John Cena storyline, but it had no juice because Cena had already Supermaned had already overcome the odds and and got the win. The one good thing I do like out of this main event, and for all the criticism the WWE have taken over time, when I rewatch, when I look back on this match and when I had a, a little bit of a look through it um, in the last, you know, earlier today, preparing for the thing, Daniel Bryan is actually booked really well in this match. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan is made to look like a star. He, he makes a surprise return, gets the first uh, victory in an elimination match in within 30 seconds, looks dominant whenever he's in the ring, um, and is only eliminated when his nemesis, the Miz, runs in, hits him with the Money in the Bank briefcase, and allows Nexus to allows them to pin him. So for all the criticism the booking of Daniel Bryan has suffered over the years, his return to the company at this event was actually very well done. Daniel Bryan looked good in this main event, but this main event wasn't just about Daniel Bryan. It was about the rest of Nexus, and they looked like chumps. Yeah. Um, this is one of the very, very few times, one of the very, very few times in the history of uh, in the history of um, John Cena's career that he comes off looking like an asshole. It does not happen that often. Usually his, his uh, the issues he has is because the fans can't stand him. But this is the first time where the fans had a legitimate beef because it seemed like the, the goal was to clean out Nexus and focus almost strictly on uh, Wade Barrett, who was, of course, the leader. And he would be booked moderately strong throughout the fall into the winter. Uh, so what do you do? Yeah, clean the rest of them out. That sound, that's almost like what they pretty much did, is focus on Wade Barrett by getting rid of these other bums. And that was a terrible idea. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. 
uh, Nexus needed to win. But Nexus should have at least looked better than they did. I'm not saying they needed a win. And honestly, John Cena should probably not have gotten the last pin. I would have given it to Daniel Bryan. Uh, but uh, I, I'm not sure I agree with you there. We're, we're going to get a, a game. I normally agree with you. I think Barrett should have got the win. I, I oh, really? Think, okay. I think I think Barrett should have got the win. The, the way they had the way they had presented Wade Barrett from from when it started, and I watched that. So I remember watching that season of NXT. Wade Barrett was always positioned as the star of NXT. Daniel Bryan, we all know how that worked out, and we know that they didn't really want him. I think they underestimated the fan reaction to Daniel Bryan, but Wade Barrett, he was coached by Je- Chris Jericho. He seconded Jericho to the ring for a short period of time. He won NXT. He's positioned as the leader and he had a ton of upside. He was everything that the WWE, that Vince McMahon at the time liked. He was, he was tall, handsome, muscular, could work in the ring and he could talk. So you had a guy that ticked every box that the WWE liked for a star. And if you're going to build a longer-term storyline of Wade Barrett and John Cena, which is exactly where they went, I think Barrett should have got the victory. I'm not saying that every other member of Nexus should have survived because, as you said, most of them were chumps. Ryback, I know he wasn't Ryback at the time. Ryback would eventually, they were able to work him, Skip Sheffield, I think it was initially. They were able to work him into a better character down the track, but he wasn't there yet. Darren right. Young, David Atunga, they they just they they should they just cannon fodder. Yep. Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater are the last two with Barrett. They were good in ring. And they would they would have been they were good as almost that backup for that's where it should have I think Nexus should have centered around those three. And Barrett should have got the win because then that allows you to build the story moving forward that he's beaten Cena and, you know, he wants to prove himself as the guy. He could have got it through any cheap means. He doesn't have to beat Cena clean. He can, he can hit him with a chair. He can, you know, Slater and Gabriel can continue this out. They, they created the scenario in the match already because they had edge and Jericho assault, um, assault Cena. And beat him down. So the storyline of the match created the opportunity for Barrett to get the win. But Barrett taps out to the STF at the end of the night. It's not even a fluke pin. It's a tap out in the center of the ring. And that makes him look like a chump. It makes him look second rate. Because where do you go from there? He's he's submitted. He's not... He, You know, it just... From a fan's perspective, immediately you just knew Barrett's never going to be able to beat Cena. But if he wins in a tag match with the scenario they've presented, that they set up in the match as it was, it allows you to, to build moving out. Cena, um, Barrett can, can, can talk about how much better he is, and he, you know, he won NXT and he's proven it, and, and you know, he can have the backup. And then 
they can meet in a, in a match on Raw and, you know, the rest of Nexus can get involved. You can do a seven-on-one or a three-on-one or whatever beatdown of, of Cena to build to an eventual match down the line where you put him in a cage, you put him one-on-one, and that's where you let Cena get the win. You let Cena get his revenge on this young guy who's been who's been torturing him for a couple of months. But not not this night, because everything in the lead up to this night was about you know, the storyline was where young guys, Barrett was saying it, we're the future. All these guys have been holding, you know, not letting us get a shot. We want a shot. We're going to take our shot and we're going to prove we deserve to be here. That's the storyline. Right. And then in, and then in the end, they don't get it. They don't, he doesn't get the win. Heels, heels need to get wins sometimes to allow them to show that when they, when they are claiming something, they've at least got some validity and reasoning for making their statements. And that's what makes it even better when they lose down the track. And when it's seven on seven and then eventually three on one, it, you could have let Barrett get the win. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't I like Barrett and and I'm glad he got the push in the fall to get title shots. Um I still feel like Daniel Bryan needed some kind of redemption, but but that could have come down the line too because Brian yeah. Brian was booked strong. Yeah. He was getting wins, and the Miz took him out with the briefcase. So Brian's elimination was – it gives you that sense of if the Miz hadn't interfered and attacked him, then Brian probably would have won the match. And that's why I don't have a problem with that that element of his storyline um, because you can come back to that later. You can come back to Daniel Bryan. He can beat the Miz, and then he can come back to Wade Barrett and go, now it's your turn, right? I'm, you know, I'm coming for you now. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll pick up what you're putting down. Yeah, I'll pick up what you're putting down on that. I mean, that card as a whole is not good. 2010 is a, such a strange year. Um, I feel like they didn't do a ton of preparation after WrestleMania 26, when Sean's gone, because um, then we get stuck in the uh, we get stuck in the uh, Kane World Title feud with Taker, and those matches are just just, mm. just gross. Um, you feel like anything involving the Nexus should have been better and needed to be better booked long term for the good of the company. Because 2010 is such a black hole. And. uh, Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, Maybe. Because I don't know when this happens. Does it happen in the fall? When does Punk join the Nexus? It's after this because it's um he's in the straight edge society gimmick. He doesn't join the Nexus until just before um a, a few weeks before the Rumble. 
uh, because he was on commentary and then sort of he'd been doing commentary and then got in, got involved as they were um, killing, you know, sort of dismantling the Nexus and, and splitting them up. And then at the Rumble, he's sort of got the core back, uh, the, the next new Nexus backing him up. But he was still in the Straight Edge Society at this SummerSlam. Uh, this is when the Straight Edge Society, him, Gallows, and Mercury lost a, a handicap match to the big show. I would have had him join on this night. Ooh. And I would have had him help. I, you, can't, you can't end the night with, with, with the Nexus losing, winning clean. Because uh, they haven't done that all year. What mm. I would have done is I would have had Punk join that night. So sort of in the straight edge society and he, he, he just, he, he disregards them and he's going to come and save the Nexus. Right. I like that. Yeah. I think, I think that could work. Cause by the time punk joins, the Nexus is shit. Yes. So I would have just, because, had... because they've been buried. Right. So I would have just had the Nexus. I would have had Punk join and Punk kind of directs Barrett towards his title shots and kind of leads the Nexus to controlling the programming kind of thing. Almost like the NWO, except on a lesser scale. That's what I would have done. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so, it, 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 that would That would have worked well. And and, so, and the, yeah, I'm sorry, not, you go. I'm not against. No, it's okay. I'm not against. I, every time I think about it, I have another thought that pops in my head. I'm not against Barrett winning, so don't think I. I was. I, I like Barrett a lot. Um, but I think I'm starting to. I, I I'm starting to uh, swayed. You're starting to swayed me on the Daniel Bryan can get his back down the line. Mm. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's it's really interesting because you look at, like I said, I, I feel they killed the Nexus dead, right? Like you, you just said, the Nexus was dead by the time Punk took over. I feel they were dead coming out of this event. They 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 were killed, stone dead, at this in this match is my opinion. The interesting thing is, you look, you know, with 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 the talent they had in there, they had the opportunity to to use the Nexus to have a really sort of to build around them. And they could have done a few things with them as this renegade group. And and then they tried to capture it again with punk. Uh, you know, that's what, that's where it was coming from. Try to get that, that group and that, and that input, like punk sort of takes over and they try the same thing. And it didn't work then either, because I think that the people he was working with were viewed as they're just no good. It's 12 months later that they get they get the approach right because I think they learned from the mistakes of Nexus when they brought the shield in and the way they booked the shield because the shield were booked perfectly when yeah. they first came in. Yeah. And yet if you look, you know, we're talking 18 months earlier. 
at the time, and I know we can look back now and we can say, well, Rollins and Ambrose and Moxley and, and, and Reigns, they are, you know, they're in a different league. But I think if you looked at it at the time, you would have said Wade Barrett would possibly have been considered in a similar way to Rollins and Ambrose and, and when they first came in as the Shield. Um, Barrett would have been seen in a similar way. And and the talent that he had with you know Gabriel and Slater and there were some guys, talented enough guys there that you could have had them run rough shot. Barrett would have been looked at as a main event player for years to come, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. When the when the shield came in, it's almost like they went, these were the mistakes we made with Nexus. We're not going to do that again. This is how we're going to book the shield, and it worked. And, yep. and the shield became, you know, the cornerstone of the company to this day. Yep. The Shield helped become the face of EC- of AEW without even realizing it. <laughs> Spread out everywhere. So, uh, mm. so yeah. So, we definitely... 2000, 2010, which on the whole is, is just rough anyway. Um, I, I like your thinking. Dave, I got I to give you props. I like your thinking. You, uh, you, you found a way to kind of make it work. But I, I think I like the... Uh, I think I like the punk joining that night kind of thing. Mm. And I think it would have elevated him a little earlier than he ended up being elevated in 2011, maybe leading. I mean, I know we did punk in our first episode, but mm. I didn't even think about it till this moment. But but thinking about him and the pipe bomb, maybe he gets motivated even earlier because mm. he joins the Nexus earlier. You know? Or, or maybe he gets disgruntled earlier because WWE still stuff it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I think I think we did a pretty good job there. I think uh, mm. I think that 2010, just you know, every it may every everybody just got so angry at Cena just burying everybody, which is mm. very unCena like. I think that's the thing that's even more mind boggling at the moment was that. Cena was not known for burying anybody. And, uh, yeah, they kind of got buried there. So, yeah. Well, I think we did a pretty good job of, uh, you picked, uh, we picked some pretty good, uh, you know, some pretty good moments. I think, uh, you know, there were some other ones maybe in the last 10 years that maybe next year we'll find, uh, you know, do we rebook 2013? Maybe not the match itself, matches itself, but maybe results, etc. So, uh, some things to think about for uh, for next year's episode, mm. because we'll obviously have to go back to these. Uh, you know, we could go back to these down the line. So, well, there you go. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, our trip through the looking glass at past amazing Summer Slams, uh, and then maybe uh, not so amazing Summer Slams, <laughs> um, which is kind of what we did. Uh, Dave, where can everybody find you? Um, you can, you guys can find me on, uh, on Facebook, um, Dave Hall on Facebook. You'll find me as I, as I always like to say, lurking the place to be Facebook pages and, uh, commenting around in various chats. You can reach out to me, private message me. Um, love to hear from you all. Um, and, uh, yeah, always happy for a chat anytime and, and happy to discuss if you, if you agree, if you disagree, put your ideas out there. I mean, you know, it's not, you know, we're not. We're, we're fans. I'm not. I'm. I'm not 
on any booking committee in the world and my my uh, my ideas are my ideas and if you have a different idea i'd love to hear it and i'd love to chat about it with you so reach out to me and, and have a chat yes because dave's an amazing chatter uh and he's and he's and he's pretty smart uh again you can follow me on twitter at scott c Podfather. you can follow please follow the brand on twitter at ptbn wrestling uh you know you could obviously i'm all over the facebook pages as well um let us know what you think. Were we on target with some of our rebookings in the uh, alternate universe of some of these summer slams that needed fixing? Maybe there's some that you think need fixing. Uh, reach out to us uh, at PTBN Wrestling on uh, on the Twitters. Uh, we'll be back in September uh, with something. And uh, then October, everyone, the show is one year old. So... I'm very excited about that, Dave. We got mm. through a year of excellent episodes. So we will be back in September with uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll rebook the Unforgivens. No. Um, <laughs> Unforgivens and Fall Brawls. There we go. Uh, now, um, well, maybe we could. Who knows? Um, and also, please, at PTBN Wrestling, uh, what topics would you like? I mean, you know, trust me, we're just coming up with some topics. But please, if there's anything you would like uh, Dave and I had to dive through the looking glass at that we haven't touched on yet through our first, what, 10 episodes um, or 11 episodes, 10 episodes. Uh, please feel free. We would love to hear from you with your ideas uh, because we'll, mm. if we like it, which we likely will, because we like a good challenge here on through the looking glass, we will definitely do that. So everyone have a wonderful rest of your August. Stay cool if you're on my side of the world stay kind of warm if you're on his side of the world although he's not that cold uh and we will see you in september through the looking glass <laughs>